0: Well, good morning, church. Are we all excited to be here? Yes. Woohoo! I'm excited to be here. My name is Sam Spence, and I serve on this teaching team here, and I help with the financial stuff at the church. If you're new here, welcome. Welcome, right? Yes. We're glad you're here. And if you're online, a special welcome to you as well. And if this is your first time here, please take that Connect card, take it back to the Welcome Center. We have a small gift for you to thank you for coming. So before we jump in, I've, well, not me, me and Chelsea, we've had some big life changes recently. Um, And and I wanted to thank you guys. Um, We welcomed our daughter into this world about 18 days ago and we've got a picture we'll throw up on the screen. Yes, and that's in the Subaru, of course. So as you know, if you've been keeping up with Facebook, the delivery didn't go well, like, but everybody's happy, we're home, we're healthy. And we've been extremely blessed with the generosity of this church. Like we've got meals until like November 18th. So thank you for helping us. We've been eating well. Um, So we can just leave that up there, Sean, for 40 minutes. Oh, he (laughs) took it down. (laughs) that's, That's a joke, we can take that down. But we're excited because we're gonna raise this little one in this family. So uh, hopefully we'll have her here next week um, so y'all can meet little Eloise, and that's her name. So we're in Luke, and we're going to be in chapters 8 and 9. Um, so if you have a Bible with you on your phone, we have them in the back if you need one. We're going to be in Luke 9, in verses 51 through 62. So go ahead and get ready, turn there. Um, and today we're going to look at three men um, that, that, that talk to Jesus in these passages, And these men, we're gonna see they all wanna follow Jesus, but they have something getting in the way of making that happen. So I'm gonna ask you, church, have you ever wanted to do something really bad, um, something you were really excited about, but you just couldn't get the nerves to do it? Anybody with me? Okay, I remember a time, I'm gonna tell you a short little Sam story. I remember a time when I wanted to do something really, really, really bad. I really wanted to do it. I was in college and I was in a band. Right, That's how all good, yeah, nice. That's how all good stories start. And this was what we would call a Christcore band. Does anybody know what that is? Okay, it's like a heavy metal Christian band. So, you know, some Metallica with some Jesus, right? So I was young, right, mid-20s. I was in a Christcore band in the, in the 2000s. I had long hair. Sean, do you have any pictures? Um, it was something else. It was a time to be alive. look at that.
1: Woo!
0: right? That's 2000s. And there's another one that's even worse. I used to straighten my hair. Look at that one. Woo! Yeah, okay, we can take that down. We all have a past, right? (laughs) Woo! That's why it's in the past. So I was in this band, you know, screaming band. We screamed about things that matter, Jesus. So we played at campuses, we played at churches, there was a music hall down the road. But when the summer came, the band just kind of dismissed. You know, for those months, we went home, we we got jobs, um, and that was that. But the summer of 2010, I remember I was a, a music business major, which is audio engineering. I wanted to be a producer, um, and there was another band on campus, and they were a country band. Okay, very different, right? My dog got lost, and then right, country metal, very different. So this country band, they asked, do you want to go on tour with us, help be the band manager and be the sound man? And like I said, my, that was my degree. I wanted to do that someday. So I was really excited because who doesn't want to go on a three month long American tour as a college student, right? Living the rock star dream. I had the hair already, there but, but there's a big problem. Okay, number one, I had no money, right? <laughs> number two, I had no savings. <laughs> Again, no money. And this band had no money. The band had no savings. And the thing about new bands is the gigs don't pay well. You'll drive 300 miles, spend a bunch on fast food, and get 100 bucks in return. That's, that's just the way it was back then. Um, so, so we started to plan. I said, initially, yeah, I'll do it. I'd love to travel with y'all. This is gonna be awesome. But as that date got closer, venues started to cancel out of state. Um, and we were going to be on the road, and some days we weren't going to get paid. So I had some fear start to kick in, some doubt. I really wanted to do this, but, and this is back in 2010 as well, back when the McDonald's dollar menu was still a thing, right? So you could eat pretty cheap for 4 450, and but the, the uncertainty of money was a big drawback for me, okay? The comfort of living at home with mom and dad, Internet right? What well, was dial-up? Well, no, that's not that, not that far far back. But, so after being torn, and I did have a summer job lined up, and I was torn between the two for a while, but I finally announced to the band, I think just a few weeks before they were leaving, that I wasn't going to go. And that was a hard conversation, because deep down I was scared of the unknown, okay? The uncertainty, okay? This is before Google Maps. I was scared to travel, okay? We had a road atlas, and you... you You have to have the updated atlas right okay there were no smartphones they had blackberries with buttons right you had to pay for internet by the minute so there were a lot of things that were making me really scared so comfort and fear those were two things that kept me from doing this so do you guys have similar stories like that comfort fear they hinder us So we're gonna see the same thing happen with three men in Luke chapter nine, verses 51. Um, And and Luke chapters eight and nine, they are just slam packed. Have you guys been keeping up with the reading plan? Good, very good. So you know there is a lot going on, and if we were to break down every verse, we'd be here till Tuesday, okay? But it's my goal to get us out of here in a timely manner and also have some good application. So I'm gonna give you the spark notes, the SAM version of what's happening leading up to our verses today. So get ready. It's going to be quick, right? So chapter 8, okay, if you've been reading, it starts with Jesus. He's traveling. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And we see, as usual, Jesus is the master storyteller. So what's he doing? He's telling stories. He's talking about the parable of the sower, the lamp on the stand in verse 16. And then Jesus and his disciples, they get on a boat, right? And it was probably this rickety little sailboat. And the storm comes, and Jesus is sleeping down below, and everybody's freaking out. So they go wake him up, and he comes up, and what happens? What happens? calms the storm, right? Everybody was freaking out, and he was just snoozing. Deep sleeper. Then we see Jesus goes on to restore a demon-possessed man. He heals a sick woman with a bleeding disorder, raised a girl from the dead, feeds 5,000 people. He's predicted his own crucifixion twice. Woo! Man, there's a lot going on. But that's the super short version. But everything that happens in 8 and 9 is leading up to where we are today. So imagine, church... Okay, put on your imagination caps. Imagine you are there. Imagine you saw Jesus extract out some demons. right? A girl raised from the dead. Heal a bleeding woman. There were crowds of people we see in Scripture following Jesus around. So, church, who remembers the, the 2016 NBA Finals? Something happened, right? Can somebody tell me what happened? Cavs, Cavs won. <laughs> Just said it, Cavs won. Yeah! <laughs> The, the Cavs won and, and do you guys remember the parade that happened Sean we've got some pictures up here on the screen people were pumped okay we got no pictures that's fine but there were thousands of people lined up on the streets to see the basketball players right there were the, on one of those pictures people were hanging out of parking garages like 20 feet in the air sitting that's scary They wanted to see what was going on. And and church, this is the energy that's happening here in Scripture. You have a people that are seeing miracles happen. They want to see this Jesus. They're doing whatever they can. So picture this with what we're talking about today. There is an energy, church, just like there was in Cleveland that day. There was 5,000 people that were fed. Whew! Okay, we got some more to go. We Ready? All right, so we're going to pick up in verse fifty-one, um, and there's something else I want to talk about before we jump in. So let's let's read this. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In church, this is a big moment in the gospel. Okay, we've got the crowds, we've got the energy, but this is where Jesus sets his eyes towards Jerusalem. So he's starting towards that journey to the cross. He's going down the road that's going to lead to death and his crucifixion. So that's kind of where we're at in verse 51. Christ is putting his game face on. He's got the eye black. You know, this is the locker room, get pumped, talk. The Browns locker room, right? That was a joke, (laughs) right? Well, maybe pick another team like the Bills, right? Everybody's getting pumped. We're going to do this. It's time to go. But Jesus, he's not distracted by the crowds of people. He's got his eyes on the prize, okay? Jesus knows what he must do. Now, that's the trajectory of Christ while on this road. He's on a mission. And then we're going to pick up in verses 52. We'll start at 52 and go to 57 here. And it says, and he sent messengers ahead, and this is Jesus, who went to a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. So Jesus is sending people out. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciple James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy him? Okay, we'll come back to this, (laughs) right? It's like, calm down. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. I love that. Verses 54 and 55. You know, Jesus named them James and John, the sons of thunder, right? The sons of fire, Lord, do you want us to call down fire? Do you want to make a medium well? Right? Like the steak? You barbecue. Like, whoa, boys. Whoa, James and John. Right? Bible's not a boring book, church. Right? We're talking about real people, real emotions. They were fired up. So, Guy says, calm down, James and John. I know what happened at Mount Carmel. Right? But it's not happening here. Let the fire thing go. And this is setting us up to the meat of what we're calling the meat of the morning, okay? And this is the people that Jesus encounters on the road. And we're going to read in 57 and 58, the first man we see. So remember, we're on a mission. Jesus has set his eyes towards Jerusalem, and there's some conversations that happen along the road. So it says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, okay? Awesome. Awesome. But then Jesus replies, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So this first man we see, Jesus didn't pick him out of this crowd, right, or, or call to him and say, hey, come follow me. We have a dude that just voluntarily walks up to Jesus and says, hey, I want to follow you, okay? I want to learn more about you. And, and look at Jesus' response here in 58, okay? Okay? Jesus didn't say, awesome, man, right? He didn't say, here, come on, let me introduce you to the fire brothers, right? James and John, sons of thunder. You know, this is Peter, my right-hand man. Like, come on, like, welcome to the crew. Like, he didn't respond that way. And I believe there's significance in this wording because we read the same thing in Matthew 8 with almost the exact same verbiage. And church, there's something here we're gonna learn this morning. And what we see is Jesus sees straight through these three men. And not like x-ray vision, right? He sees straight to their heart. He looks at their motives for why they want to follow him. So Jesus says to this first man, he says, are you sure you want to follow me? Are you sure about that? Do you understand what you're committing to? Let me explain what it cost to follow me. Following me is a life of rejection. There's no security, no comfort no prestigious reputation. So this man, he, he's probably like, whoa, <laughs> right? Never mind. Because Jesus just confronted his biggest security or insecurity, which was security. <laughs> so Jesus is telling this man that Jesus himself, he's rejected. He's an outcast. He has no place to lay his head. To be a follower of Christ is to be willing to have no other home than Christ Himself, so we're going to have an illustration here in a moment that involves some mouse traps, um, and, and we're going to have some fun. Um, so, if you guys that are helping with the illustration, you want to come up here with Pastor Tim, that would be awesome. So, this first man, we're going to call him a student. Okay, we'll see if I have my slide up here. If you have notes, uh, write this down. This will be helpful for, for later. Okay, this first man we see in Scripture, we're calling him a student because he wanted to know more, but he didn't want to actually follow Jesus. Okay, number one, because things got uncomfortable and things got hard. He wanted to learn about Jesus, but and do it in a comfortable setting, in a classroom setting. In church, we have another fill-in. Because Christ is not just a teacher you learn from, he's the God you follow. So, you have to do both. You have to learn like a student. But until you choose to follow him with your life, you'll only be a student. We are called to be a follower, not a student church. So, are we all ready? We're, get, we're getting there. Somebody's getting blindfolded. So, if uh, Chuck, Jenny, and Sandy, if you want to come over here and kind of stand here in the back, Drew, are you really blindfolded? Can you see? Yes. Hey, hey Drew. He can't whoa. Alright, he's getting ready. So what we got up here, um, I think Drew knows what's happening, is we have a a rug with lots of set mouse traps. And we've got Chuck. Chuck, who are you representing today? Comfort. Chuck is comfort. We've got Sandy, who's what? Fear. Fear. And Jenny, who are you? Woo! Those are some big ones, right? Yeah. So what we're gonna do is Drew is going to, with the help of Tim in a moment, walk through this maze of live mousetraps only listening to Tim's voice. Can you hear me, Drew? Okay, he can hear him. That's important. And while he's listening to Tim's voice, we are going to hear from fear, comfort, and control at the same time. At the
1: same time? Yeah, you're just going to read it. So is my mic on now? All right, cool. All right, so... so. All right, so Drew, you're going to listen to my voice... Ignore all these crazies behind you, okay? okay? All right, and do exactly what I say. And hopefully I'll get my rights and lefts the right way. Or you should flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so lift your left foot. And straight straight forward. Well, yep, right. keep going, keep going. All right, right foot up. Right foot up. Uh, no, 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 up, up, up. It would be easier. A little to your right. More to your right. <laughs> oh! Okay, step forward with your... Forward with your right foot. There you go. Down all the way down. Lift your left foot. Straight, straight. Lift it up. Lift it up. Straight. Stop right there. Foot down. Nope. <laughs> all right. Keep right foot up. Big step. Big step. Big step. There you go. Down. All right. Left foot up. Just a little bit. Not all the way. Right there. Down. And then your uh, what foot is that? Left foot. Up high, big step, big step, and all the way over. And you made it, all the way up. Good job, Drew.
0: How about now? (laughs) I turned myself off. Sorry. (laughs) Glad we stopped. That's awesome. So this first person, he was the student, all right? And he was faced with some insecurities and some fears, okay? Imagine you were in Drew's situation, and you were blindfolded, getting ready to walk through that. I would have some fear, right? So this man, he found out things were going to be difficult. He thought the cost was going to get too high. He was going to get uncomfortable, and he bailed out. And we all know in life we're gonna encounter mousetraps, right? That's just a fact. Like maybe it's a health battle, losing a loved one, a a relationship that has ended. And and guys, there's spiritual mousetraps that pop up. And and maybe for you, you're called to do something, but maybe it seems countercultural, right? Maybe God's calling you to be a voice in an area that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it's something... Like a big step of faith. Sometimes we're called to things spiritually that make us nervous. And these things, they seem huge, and we're paralyzed with fear. We're blindfolded, getting ready to take the first step, listening to fear, comfort, control. And oftentimes we'll be ready to step into the maze and we just say, No, God. The Christ, like, the cost is too much. So, church, this is one of our challenges for this morning. Are we going to trust in God anyway? When we are confronted in those tough situations, right? maybe your boss is acting like a huge jerk and you just want to tell him, right? Are we going to take a deep voice and follow God through that sticky situation? Are we going to listen to God's voice like Drew was listening to Tim and let him guide us safely through these mousetraps? traps? We have to silence those distractions, fear, comfort, control. And if you follow God's voice in this life, you're gonna make it out okay. Following Jesus and trusting him 100% is hard. It's not easy. It's hard to make that initial decision. It's hard to take that step of faith. But if you remember that, that we're called, do not fear, God is with you. He's ahead of you, guiding you, calling you by name. So church, Don't be like the student, okay? When things get tough, when things get scary, when you're faced with opposition, be the follower, not just the student. Be both. Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, We got verse 59. We're gonna look at another guy. So let's read this. He said to another man, follow me, okay? So God's calling out. Um, But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, follow me. But this guy says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. In church, what we see here is we're going to call this guy the good guy. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down. Because for me, I'll be honest, I had trouble with this one on a couple of levels. Okay, this is Sam being honest. Um, and, and the first thought I had when reading this at just surface level is how can dead people bury dead people? Right? Are there, zombies aren't real. Okay, but what we're seeing here, okay, that's not the case at all. This isn't what Jesus is talking about. He, he's using one of his favorite metaphors through, in the Bible, and we see other times in Scripture um, that Jesus uses death in life to talk about when someone is still under the penalty of sins, they are separated from God, therefore spiritually dead. You with me? Perfect. Very good. But when Christ saves you, When you receive that gift of salvation, you are saved from death, saved from your sin. You are reconciled with God, therefore alive or in new life. That is what is being talked about here. So to review, dead apart from God, living in sin, alive to be reconciled in God. So the gospel says you were dead in sin but alive with new life when you received Jesus in this salvation. So this is what he's saying right here. He's saying, let the spiritually dead deal with their priorities. Okay, that, that's what he's saying. Um, and then he goes on to say, you who are alive, okay, those of you that are in me, you should have new priorities. Okay, um, you should have more important concerns than things of this world. And the number one priority is proclaiming the kingdom of God. Okay, that's what he's saying here. But still, church, I'm being honest, this still feels a little cold when we read it, okay? I mean, can't this guy go and bury his dad, right? Isn't that itself a God-honoring act? Because to me, when reading this, it certainly felt that way. But what we're seeing is this man's father had obviously died recently. In traditions of the day, it was the right thing to do. for for the oldest son to go and get the affairs in place, to get everything set up, so mom would be financially set for the rest of his life. That would be the good thing to do, to take care of the father's affairs. That's why we're calling him the good man. But this is a hard challenge. The man's saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to come with you, but I got to do this. I got to clean up these, these loose ends per se. I got to set mom up for the future. I have to do what society is telling me to do, what culture is telling me to do. It was a good thing in that day. But what Jesus is saying here is so, so powerful. He's saying two things, okay? And these, these are in your notes. Uh, there's the good guy, okay? He's saying two things to this man, okay? He's saying go and proclaim the kingdom of God, okay? That's number one. If you are alive in Christ, this is what we need to be doing. We need to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Number two, what Jesus is saying to this man, you are not bound by traditions and expectations. Okay? It was culturally expected for this man to take care of his father's affairs. Okay? You are bound solely by Christ and Christ is calling you to proclaim the kingdom with your life. So think about this man. In this sense, he's blindfolded like Drew was. He's staring into a difficult decision. He's at a crossroads. If this guy takes off with Jesus right now without managing his father's affairs, he's probably going to offend somebody, right? Probably mom. Like, what the heck are you doing? Right? Society is going to look at him. His neighbors are like, did you hear about him? He just left his dead father's affairs and now his mom's going to be homeless, right? Others were going to judge him, but God is calling him to simply follow, don't worry about the mouse traps in the way. God's got it. Think about the cultural calling placed on this man. Jesus lived counter-cultural. Jesus was calling this man to live counter-cultural, to follow him, to step out in faith. I mean, we see Jesus, he ate with tax collectors, socially unacceptable people. He touched lepers, leopards, Le- gosh, I can't talk, not leopards, lepers, okay, not the, the jungle cat, right? <laughs> Golly. Woo! We see Jesus elevating women when society was oppressing them. Church, the list goes on, all right? We are talking about a man that was countercultural and so much to the point they wanted to kill him for it, okay? The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. We just talked about this. The gospel is counter-cultural, church. If you are sticking to the gospel, if you are living like Jesus, you're gonna offend people because it's gonna be different than society. You're gonna live different than how culture tells you you should live. Church, you're gonna, you can jeopardize some really close relationships in your life if you are a true follower of Jesus. Maybe family. And church, why do we act surprised when this happens? Because we see Jesus offended people in the way He lived. Jesus never sinned. He was on mission. So I think, church, we need to be ready to expect this. Okay, if you can take something away from this morning, just have that um, to remember. Jesus Christ was opposed on this earth to the point of death, yet He never sinned. So when you follow Jesus, you blindly follow Him sometimes through these difficult mazes. There's mousetraps going off around you, fears in your ear, Comfort's in your other ear. But church, we've said it before from this stage. When you're worried, when you're stepping out in faith, obedience is your job, outcome is God's. That's it, okay? Obedience is your part, outcome is God's. And and church, I wanna be honest. I'm gonna say this as nice as I can, okay? If your day-to-day life as a Christian is pretty chill, and I mean not many people have problems with you, or they're at ease, I guess you want to say, with your Christianity. Okay, this is Sam being blunt, but with love. You may want to reconsider what type of Christianity you're practicing. Do you get what I'm saying? If everybody's at ease with what you're teaching, what you're doing, what you're saying, you may want to rethink what kind of Christianity you're projecting, you're practicing, you're preaching to those around you. Because we see the gospel is straight offensive. In church, we know this about the gospel. Truth is not a license to offend people, right? Okay, because we know the truth, because we live countercultural, we don't go and picket sign others. We don't say turn or burn, right? There's churches that do that. We don't live offensively, okay? And living counterculturally is not an excuse to live offensively. We have to live graciously, humbly, devoted followers of Jesus. And we have Jesus as a model, okay? Jesus showed us how to love sinners, okay? To love those around us that don't yet know him. We need to eat, okay? There's a lot of things that happen at the dinner table. We need to eat with socially unacceptable people, the outcast, the homeless, the poor in spirit. You know, you may get flack from your other Christian friends. They may say, why are you hanging out with them? Just let it roll off your back. Listen to God's voice, Okay? Form friendships. Then and only then will you have influence, church, because it's grace and truth. Okay, you have to have both. So back to this man. He was a good man. Okay, man number two. Jesus called him to follow him, but he was so wrapped up in tradition, he was so wrapped up in culture, he misses Jesus. And here's something I want you to think about. Was he sinning in that moment? I mean, he was just doing what was normal for the day, what was culturally expected of him, what society expected him to do. This man couldn't proclaim the kingdom because something else was more valuable in that moment. It was his reputation, right? He was worried about stepping on that mousetrap, right? His, his cultural expectations, he was worried what people were going to think. In church, whenever you say no to Jesus, it means something else has become your little G God, okay? Whenever something becomes too costly, too uncomfortable, So Church, are you proclaiming the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, or are you living in the world around you? We talked about this in Ecclesiastes, right? It's all meaningless. We are called to be counter countercultural. My tongue's getting all sorts of tied today. I'm going to take a drink, all right? OK. So who's ready for our third person? Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Sounds good. So this third OK, let's read right here. So this is the third person Still another said Okay we've got a third one coming up to Jesus He said I will follow you Lord But first let me go and say goodbye to my family Seems like a simple request right Like let me go say bye And then we'll go Jesus But look at Jesus' response He said no one who puts a hand to the plow And looks back is fit for service To the kingdom of God Whoa right Another kind of not a zinger But whoa Jesus what's going on here so we're going to call this, this man the consumer. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down. Because we're going to call him a consumer because of his butt. I'm not going to make you say butt again like I did last time. All right? But this man has a huge butt. Okay? He says, I will follow you but, Jesus. This man says, yes, I'll do it, but I want to do it on my own terms and conditions. Okay? And there's a term for that. It's called conditional discipleship. This is what this man's doing. He says, I will follow you, Jesus, but I want to do it on my own terms. This man's own terms is he wanted to do something first. Okay? Something else was in the place God should be. So think about it this way back to our mousetrap maze. Okay? Remember Drew up there with all the distractions going on. This is the guy that would want to peek. Okay? This is a guy we could maybe call a control freak. Okay? The conditional disciple typically is going to be a little bit of a control freak. Or maybe I want to see a little bit, God. Show me a little bit before I take that first step. I want to make sure my foot doesn't hit any traps. Okay? This guy's struggling with control. He's saying, I, I would follow you, Jesus. I would do that, God. But, man, I, I don't really have the time. Could we do it quicker? Could we start tomorrow? You know, could I go to the bank and take out some money? Um, I want to do it like I totally would but like things are tight I can't do that right now like the list goes on okay this is the but guy right he says but Jesus and look at this response to this consumer Jesus responds again in an agricultural context um, which everyone would have understood in that day he says if you put your hand to the plow and you look backwards you're going to do what church what's it say you know, pr- plow a crooked line. Okay? I'm going to give you an analogy for the city folk. Okay? You can't look at the road and your phone at the same time. Right? Or here's another one. You can't watch the Browns game and talk to your wife or girlfriend. Right? So what he's saying, you cannot live two lives simultaneously. You can't live in the old life. You can't be looking back and then live a new life. Jesus is saying he doesn't want a conditional relationship with you. He wants you 100%. He doesn't want you looking back, living two lives, and we have a jealous God who wants to be number one in your life. Church, you you simply can't hang on to an old life and still live a new life in Christ. It's conflicting. Until that old life is dead, you cannot truly live in Christ. So this man, this consumer, he wanted control. I mean, I'll admit, I'll be the first person to admit, I'm a control freak. We got any other control freaks in the house? Yes! A bunch of honest control freaks, right? Fantastic. And control is so hard to give to God because you have to give something up. You have to take that first step in obedience. You have to fully commit. And it is so hard for us control freaks to do. God wants 100% of you. In church, here's what, ha- what happens. I've seen people I've seen people follow or try to follow Jesus halfway. They try to have one foot in life, one foot in death. And, um, but church, when you live like this, you're going to start stepping on mousetraps. When you live like this, you're saying, God, I'm following you, but that's enough. I want to try to do it from here. <coughs> Snack, right? Like, whoo, God, I need you again. Come back, God. Tell me what to do. And then you take another step and you're like, whoo. Things are good. I'm going to go over here. Snap! ah, Right? God, come, 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 come. So often, the conditional disciple will do this. When things are good, you don't need God. When things are bad, oh, God, I need you. Right? I'm super guilty of this. This is what the conditional follower of Jesus does they try to keep control. They give God some, they take it back. They give God back a little more, then they take it back. But church, we see, Jesus is saying, it's it's either Christ or it's you. So who is it? Because we see only the person that releases full control of their life to Jesus finds the freedom, finds the joy that's in Christ Jesus. The halfway Christian life is miserable. So don't be a consumer or a conditional disciple. Don't butt God. We are called to be 100% followers of christ so church as we kind of go to the end we got some more fun stuff to work through let's review okay we had man number one which was what the student good number two good guy guy. number three fantastic so church all three of these men they were called by god to abandon attachment to this world Okay, again, we, we, our messages build on each other, if you've noticed. We talked about this in Ecclesiastes. We know what the things of the world are, and Jesus is calling against those things. They're, they're counter-cultural things. All three of these men, they, they were attached to the world in some capacity. And Jesus saw straight through them, straight to the heart. He knew it right away, and he confronted, confronted them. And what we'll call these this morning... are. And Jesus knows my idols. He knows your idols. He knows the things inside of us that keep us away from him, that keep us from choosing him when we encounter these mousetraps in our lives, these mazes. So the second guy, um, the the first guy, we, we read that his idols were knowledge and security, right? Those two things kept him from following Jesus. The second guy we called the good guy, his idols were fear, okay? mainly the fear of other people, what they would think of him, the fear of what his family would say, like traditionally this is what we did, like in society, like he was so concerned about what other people would think and afraid, he decided the cost was too great. His idols were control, maybe a little bit of pride, tradition, same with the third guy. And what's crazy is these idols, like stability, uh, tradition, family, they can be good things, right? Here's where the, the message gets really tricky for us to think about. Because these things in themselves, family is not necessarily sinful, right? Like, um, they're, they're good things, but I got another fill-in for you. This one is like a kick in the gut for me, just being honest. When a good thing conflicts with a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. Oof, that gets me every time. So, church, what do you, what do, you do with that? Right? Because all of us this morning, we have a decision we need to make about this. When a good thing conflicts with a bad thing, or, oh, my goodness, Woo! Wake up, Sam. When a good thing conflicts with a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. So our challenge today, church, as we near the end of our time together, we need to honestly assess what are my idols? And specifically, what is keeping me from following Jesus 100%? Is it control? Is it fear? Is it comfort? What for you this morning is keeping you from blindfolding yourself into a mousetrap maze and listening to God's voice to lead you? What is it going to take for you? Are you like the student? Do you want to see more and know more before you commit? Or are you like the second man where where fear, others' opinions and traditions are keeping you from following Jesus? And I have one more illustration um, before we, we pray and take a little salvation moment. Um, to think about this idea of following Jesus. So those of you that have kids or that are around kids, kids like to jump off stuff, right? Yeah, kids love to jump off stuff. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my favorite thing to do was take off all the pillow cushions and play The Floor is Lava, right? Anybody else do that? Yeah, it's awesome. I still play it, right? It's amazing. I love to jump off stuff. So, kids, they'll jump off rocks, they'll jump off couch cushions, but typically things that are pretty low to the ground, right? Like a, a three-year-old's not going to jump off something crazy by themselves. But I have seen three- to four-year-olds jump off some pretty sketchy stuff before, okay? Stuff I might not, I might not jump off of, like 15-foot high dives into, like, 15 feet of water. I'm like, a three-year-old's going to do that? What? We had one go off the blob at camp one time. I don't know how that happened. Woo, scary. But here's the thing, okay? Think about this. These kids, we'll say three to four-year-olds, they'll jump off little things on their own. But anytime it's bigger, okay, they get scared, right? We get scared in life in certain situations. But something to think about. What happens if you put a parent, a grandparent, a guardian down below? Let's say you're in the pool, your kid's on the high dive, and they're looking there and their knees are shaking, and they say, Mommy, will you catch me? Daddy, will you catch me? What happens when you say, yep? Whee! Right? Whether you're looking or not, that kid is coming. (laughs) Right? I've seen it before at the pool. Mom was distracted. She, they were in like waist deep and she was holding a baby and her kid was talking to her. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah honey. And the kid lands right on top of her. Right? Because she wasn't paying attention. But she said those words. I will catch you. Right? How many parents have experienced that before? Like your kid jumps off of something. Yes. You're like, whoa! Didn't expect that. But here's what we see. Th- that simple phrase, I will catch you, I have you, you are mine, you are love. That is all it takes for that child to overcome fear. They become evil evil in that moment because they trust you. And we see throughout Scripture Jesus comparing our faith to a childlike faith. And church, I think we need to do that here in following Jesus. You, these kids, when they're scared... They may close their eyes and jump. They may scream, and they're probably still afraid. But these, these kids, when they jump off of stuff, and their parents down below, they have full faith in their parent that they're gonna be okay, that they're gonna provide for them, that they're gonna love them. The same's true with God, church. We're, we're faced with moments where we're scared, our knees are knocking. We're like, I can't do it, I can't do it and we're listening to the things going on around in our head, the fear, the comfort, but we need to stop and listen to God's voice and listen for him to say, you know what, Sam? You can do this. I got you. I'm here for you, right? The same's true. We need to have that childlike f- faith. When we get into these mousetrap mazes, we need to say, you know what? I'm not gonna listen to this. I'm not gonna listen to this. I'm gonna listen to you, God, and I'm gonna do it. I'm going to take the step. I'm going to take the jump, and I'm going to remember that you've got me, God. You've got this. I trust you, and I'm going to follow you. Because church, we th- we see throughout Scripture. We could talk for hours about how much God loves you. All right, He wants to protect you. He, God goes ahead of you. He's always going to be there for you. He's not going to let you step on one of those mouse traps. He's not going to let you go splat in the pool. If he's calling you to jump, he's got you. If he's calling you to follow him, he's got you. We need to have that childlike faith and follow him. So church, what areas of your life do you need to surrender this morning? What decision do you need to make today? What idols are keeping you from following God 100%? In church, ask anybody in this room. Like we'll tell you firsthand, following Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. Yes. And it doesn't make things easier. Sometimes it, it it's hard. It's hard to live countercultural. We see the calling placed on the true cost of following Jesus, church. And if you haven't made this step yet, I, I challenge you to do that this morning. If you're still a student and you're like, yeah, like I'm learning, and I'm content just learning about God for now, my challenge for you this morning is to take a step and become a follower. Okay, It's it's free, Um, and if you wanna do that, we're gonna pray in a moment. If you wanna receive this gift of salvation, if you wanna become a true follower of Jesus and move from a student who just knows about God to an actual follower of God to begin to let him guide you to hand over your idols, I want to take a moment and pray. Um, and if you're already a Christ follower and you want to affirm this as well, feel free to pray with us. We can go ahead and, and lower the lights, guys. Um, and, and again, if you have not accepted Jesus, this isn't a special prayer. These aren't special words from a special person. This is, this is coming from your heart. Okay? So if you want Jesus today, let's, let's bow our heads and pray this or pray something like this. Just, just pray Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know I fall short daily. God, I know I can't earn, and I don't deserve this gift. God, I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead, and I invite you into my heart and into my life, God. I want to follow you 100%. I want to trust you, God. Please come into my life. Fill me with your spirit as my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen, church. And church, we know if you've prayed that prayer or your own version of that prayer from your heart, you have received that gift. My challenge for you now is to start to follow. Have that childlike faith. Trust in God. Church, that's it for this morning. Praise God, right? It's, it's my prayer that this morning spoke to you. Um, I, I hope you leave this morning feeling challenged. Um, So let's go ahead. We'll close in prayer, and Pastor Tim's going to come up, uh, talk to us for a few minutes before we can head on out. So church, let's pray together. God, thank you for New Hope Church. God, I thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you um, for using me, um, allowing to speak your truth, God. Uh, I I thank you for this beautiful day, this beautiful weather we're going to have. God, I thank you for protecting our church, Father. I thank you for good health. Please be with us all. Help us uh, get home safely, um, and let all we do say and think today, God, honor you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.